I heard a story about a, a husband and a wife. The husband went to work early uh, one morning, and the wife was still at home. She was about getting ready to leave, and, and she encountered a problem, and so she texted her husband. She said, windows frozen, to which the husband replied, pour cold water on it, to which she replied a couple minutes later, computer completely messed up now. You ever had times where there was just a misunderstanding or a miscommunication, or maybe you failed to see the big picture of what's going on? I think we've all been there at different times in our life. We've all experienced that, either with ourselves or with some, someone that we're dealing with. And, and even more than that, there are certain things that we see and experience in our world that we just struggle to understand. And we struggle to see the big picture and why certain things happen the way that they do. And, and so often that can cause some problems. When we struggle with seeing the way things happen and why things happen and we ask those questions, it can cause a lot of problems with ourselves and with our interaction with others and most importantly with our interaction with God and he, how he interacts with us and how we understand and see him and his interaction with us in the world Around us, and I wonder if, if in part, maybe the problem or part of the problem, at least, is is a faulty view, right? Windows frozen when we just don't see the whole picture, or we have an incomplete view of things instead of ultimately relying on on God's word to be the voice of truth. I, I've been thinking about these things for a couple of weeks now, and didn't really know where to fit it in. And just a couple of weeks ago, uh, you obviously probably know. Maybe you just kind of went by and, and pass like any other day nowadays, but it's been 18 years, just over 18 years uh, since September 11th, 2001. And I was just kind of thinking in my mind that we have an entire school system of kids, high school, middle school, elementary school, who were not born when 9-11 happened, or at the very least were a year old or less, and have no concept of it. I was talking with several of you over the last couple of weeks. I, I still remember where I was when, when 9-11 happened, and, and not just 9-11. I mean, obviously, that blows my mind that those kids don't, don't see those, and maybe some of the events that we've seen in recent years, maybe that's their 9-11 in a lot of ways, but El Paso, Texas, right around the corner, Dayton, Ohio, certainly others in our country and in our world, and, and we see all these things, not to mention the tragedies and, and the, just the events that happen in our own lives. I think about some of the things, and I won't obviously mention anything, but you know, you know some of the things that have happened even with our church family here and, and the tragedies that we've experienced over the last year uh, or so. And, and so what do we do? What, what do we do when, when we experience tragedies like that, either on a, a global or, or you know, a, more, a bigger scale or even in our own lives on, on a more personal uh, level as individuals. What do we do? How, how do we cope? How do we understand those things? Or, or to ask it another way that, that people often ask that question, why do bad things happen, right? Why do bad things happen uh, to good people? Let, let, or just bad things happen in general. Let me just be up front with you. I'm not going to be able to answer that question today. But I do at least want to give us maybe some ideas, some answers, some thoughts as to what we do when those things happen. And, you know, a lot of times in our world, one of the things that we see is that people so often want to place the blame at God's feet, right? Something happens, in a natural disaster, a tragedy like that, and people want to ask, where is God 
in all of this. And of course, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, is then you'll, you'll have well-meaning people. I think there's an effort to, to acknowledge God in, in, in some of these things, or at least understand his role in these things. And when bad things happen, tragedies happen, people will say things like, everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that phrase before? Everything happens for a reason, or God must be really up to something, or God must really think highly of you to put you in this position, or one of my personal favorites, God will never give you more than you can handle, right? You ever had someone say that to you or or said that to someone else? And we mean well. Everything happens for a reason. Won't it be good to see the reason? And I get get the commentary on those things, and I, I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with those things, but I think it misses the big picture. I think those questions really miss the big picture of what God is doing. And in one sense, I think when people say those things, there is, again, an attempt to acknowledge, to recognize God is at work, that, that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that, that he is working in our lives. And, and that's more true than we often realize. I, I think we say those things probably not in full grasp of how active God is and how much God is working, that no matter what happens, God loves us, he cares for us, and he desires to work in us and through us no matter what's going on around us and to us. But I hope we also understand that that God being active in our lives and in our world and God loving us and God caring for us and, and God working doesn't mean that he causes everything to happen the way it does. And when certain things happen in our lives and in our world, that doesn't mean that God is orchestrating every little thing. I'm, I'm not saying that God is not working in those things, and we'll talk about that today. But that doesn't mean that God is working and cause, or causing and orchestrating everything to happen the way it does. I do believe that everything happens for a reason. I just don't think that reason is always God and him orchestrating every little thing, especially every bad thing that happens. I do think scripture, though, acknowledges and points to at least a few ideas, and that's what I want to give you this morning. More information, not necessarily answers, because I don't know the answers, uh, but hopefully I can at least point us in, in a good direction. And so just a couple of things that I think contribute to why things happen the way they do and, and why things happen in our lives and in the world around us. And, and for starters, if you're taking notes, bad things happen because people make choices. I know that that seems overly simplified, but the reality is bad things happen in in our lives and in our world because you and I and people in general make choices. We were talking about this on on Wednesday night, and I'm quoting somebody. I don't know if she'll remember who it is, but but she basically said that, you know, we have free will and, and we don't always do good things with that free will. And I was like, that is the understatement of the century. Like you and I have free will, but we don't always make good choices with that free will. We, we make bad choices. We make sinful choices. We make choices that affect our lives and the world around us. And so sometimes the choices that we make and the actions that we take have a profound negative effect on our lives and on the world around us. I, I like what someone once said, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes the reason is because we're stupid and we make bad choices, right? Like that's the reality of things. Sometimes we're just dumb and we make bad choices that affect our own lives in a negative way. Now, we like that statement a whole lot more when it's about somebody else, but the reality is we fall into that category sometimes as well. We've talked about a a verse a few months ago in a series that we were in, in Galatians chapter 6, and I'll just read it again. It says, don't be deceived. Don't think that you're, you're not part of this. Don't think this doesn't apply to you. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
that you will reap what you sow. If you sow seeds of, of, of you know, whatever it may be in your life, that's what you're going to oftentimes reap. That's the way of, of, of the, the law of sowing and reaping. That's the reality of, of this world that we live in. We reap what we sow. And sometimes when bad things happen to us, we need to open ourselves up to the possibility that it could be the result of choices that we have made and sown in our own lives. And yet so often people, ourselves included, want to place the blame at God's feet or at somebody else's feet instead of looking at the mirror and saying, what are the, the choices that I've made that have made me, maybe led me down this path? And, and what are the consequences that have come because of the choices I've made? I, I want to, this is such a profound verse, I think, and, and, and it, you see this in our world, right? A person's own folly leads to their, this is from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. The choices that you and I make lead us down a path, and then we get upset with God because we got led down that path. I mean, how prevalent is that mindset in our day and age and in our culture? But we need to understand that our own choices sometimes put us in certain positions and circumstances, and our choices have consequences. We, we live in a, in a country where we have the freedom of choice, and you and I have, ha, have a free will to do the things that we do, but living in a country where we have the freedom of choice and having free will as human beings does not mean that we are free from the consequences or free to choose the consequences of the actions that we take. We reap what we sow. Now, I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that everything that happens in your life and in the world around you is a result of your actions. I'm not saying that. Okay, so if you're drawing those conclusions, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that sometimes the choices that you and I make have a profoundly negative impact on our lives. And I think all of us can amen that, whether we want to or not. But it's not just our actions. Sometimes bad things happen because of the actions of others. You know, somebody else in your life or around you makes a choice, and that can result in, in, in a negative, profoundly negative impact on others. I mean, you see this. I mean, this is, this is a perfect example of this is, is planes being flown into buildings or people being killed by someone else. Someone, someone taking someone else's life into their own hands. That, that is a, a, a direct result of somebody saying, I'm going to do this and it having a direct negative impact on those around them. Those, somebody choosing to do something that impacts someone else in a negative way. You and I don't live in a vacuum. Wouldn't it be nice if the choices that you made and, and you trying to do the right thing always worked out in perfect order, right? How many times does that happen? You know, my wife can, can do things exactly the right way and her husband can screw them up royally, right? And, and vice versa, although that probably doesn't happen nearly as much as the first one. I can make choices as a parent for the best intentions for my kids and yet my kids, and many of you have experienced this with your grown kids, can make choices that go in the complete opposite direction of that. You and I don't live in a vacuum, and our choices and our actions don't take place in a vacuum. My choices, while they certainly affect me first and foremost, don't only affect me. Even on the most micro of levels, my choices as a father and as a husband affect my wife and my kids. My, my choices even affect this church. Even your choices affect 
in many ways this church, whether it be impact on the relationships in this church or maybe the perception of this church and what God is doing here outside of it. Your choices, my choices impact those around us. They, they have an effect on, on the people around us and on the world around us and our freedom to choose either to do what is good and right or to do what is evil and sinful and wrong has a profound effect around, on, on the people around us and even a wor- on the world around us. And I think, I think we would admit that that's true, but I think sometimes we just kind of forget that. We, we live in such a world where we say, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care how this impacts you or anybody else. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And we, we fail to realize, and many people in our world fail to realize that this is a reality. The, the choices that you and I make affect those around us, and and the negative choices that you and I make impact those around us in a negative way. You and I can bless each other and those around us by our choices and by our actions. You and I can also hurt and wound and scar those around us by our choices and our actions or even our inactions, right? The reality is you and I have a lot of power by the choices that we have and how we affect each other, and we can either hurt or we can heal, we can help or we can wound by our inactions and our actions. I was reading some statistics about starvation and hunger, and I was reading some stuff on on that and just in conjunction with this, and specifically over in Africa and and Southeast Asia, but it's everywhere in a lot of places. But I was reading some some statistics, get that out, that over 3 million children, over 3 million children die every year due to starvation or some hunger-related illness. But I was reading some, that's 8,000 children, by the way, 8,000 children a day that are dying because of starvation. Um, In conjunction with that, though, I was reading some stuff, and maybe you've heard some of this stuff, that that studies and statistics show that we have enough food. There's enough food produced in our world to feed every person on the planet. Now, I'm not talking like steak dinners and, you know, caviar. I don't even, never even had caviar. I don't know why I said that, but it sounds fancy. I'm not saying that we would eat steak, all of us, and have all the food that we would ever want, but each and every person on the planet could be fed. We, we have the resources to do that. The point is that we have um, millions of children and many more adults who are dying every single day because of a, a lack of food in certain areas of our world, right? And yet we have the resources and the abilities to be able to do that. Now, I don't believe that over 3 million children and many more adults, I don't believe that that many people dying every day, every year is God's idea. Do you? That, that's not God's idea. In fact, the argument could be made that God has done everything to give us the resources to be able to take care of those who are less fortunate and who are going through and dying every year because of that. I guess the real question is, what are you and I doing with the resources that we have? What are we spending our money on? When halfway around the world, there are people struggling. I don't say that to make you feel guilty. What I do say that, though, is to say your choices, your actions, and inactions have an impact, right? Now, I'm not saying that your choice to do this or that has a direct impact, but ultimately, they have an impact on people halfway around the world built up over time. Cumulative effect, right? The choices that you and I make impact those around us and the world around us. 
And sometimes bad things happen because we make choices. You and I make choices. And those choices have a far greater impact than we often realize. Another thing I think that should not be discounted, and yet sometimes it's overlooked as well, but another cause, I think, is, is the reality that Satan and sin are present in this world. Now, I know you know that, but sometimes we forget how powerful of an impact that has on our lives and on the world around us. Satan and evil and sin are a part of this world, of this world that we live in. And certainly it's easy to think about our own actions and our own inactions or the actions of others. But it's also important to remember that Satan is at work. Satan is at work in the lives of, of ourselves, in our own lives, and in the, in the lives of those around us. We talked about last week and, and in the last series that we were in, just about how there is a spiritual battle going on. and we, we, we are almost oblivious to it sometimes. We recognize that Satan is real, but then we walk out the door and we act like he's not. Because we don't put on the armor of God. We don't spend time in God's word. We don't spend time with other Christians building ourselves up. We spend time doing a lot of other things, but, but not engaging in the battle. And sometimes recognizing that is not enough, but it's at least a start to recognize that the, the, some of the bad things that happen in our world and in our lives is a result of Satan being active, and we need to be attentive to that. Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 13, he tells the parable of, of the weeds and there's a lot of application to it, but I'll just simply say that Jesus talks about how the evil and the sin and, and so many things that we see in our world that have been going on since the fall, they're a result. He says the enemy did this. An enemy came and sowed weeds in with the other, the, the other crops that were being planted. And, and he points to not only the enemy, but that the, the enemy has people that he's working in. They, they're doing his bidding, that are working out his work. And we see that in our world and in our lives. And so sometimes the bad things we see is a result of, of Satan being at work. And not only just Satan and evil, but sin. Sin is present. And I don't mean to say just like you and I sin, but that we, we live in a sinful world. The overall effect of this world that we live in results in some certain things happening. We, we live in a fallen world. Now, I, don't, I know that doesn't explain everything. And I'm not saying that I understand all the ramifications from from what that means and what that's meant to this world, not only in the past, but moving forward, why things happen the way that they do. But Scripture does talk about this in terms of it having an effect on, on the world that we live in and why things happen. The reality is we live in a fallen world, and that has a profound effect on our lives and on the world around us. And you say, well, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Again, I don't know all the reasons but part of the reason is the presence of sin and living in a fallen world. This, this world is decaying. Romans chapter 8, Paul talks about it a little bit. Just this idea of, of, of how all of creation, the world around us, is in bondage to decay from sin. And because of sin, when sin entered the picture through Adam and Eve, all of creation was affected. It wasn't just that they sinned and, and our sins separated us from God, but all of this world that we live in is affected. And, and, and the lives of human beings and, and this planet and all of the things that are going on, everything is interconnected. And so you, you see when you go back to Genesis and you've got uh, the example, God says that the ground's going to be hard to work and there's going to be thorns. And you see how the relationship between animals and humans are, are scarred. I mean, the picture we get early in Genesis when, when everything's perfect before sin has entered the world, Adam and Eve are with the animals. And then after sin, it's very different from that. 
and, and, and weather patterns are different and how things are affected. All of these things, when sin entered the world, all of these things were affected and infected by sin. We, we live in the midst of a decaying creation, and I'm probably not giving you any news here, but not only do we live in the midst of a decaying creation, but we are a decaying creation, right? doesn't take much to look in the mirror, look at our bodies, see what's going on. I'm not judging anyone here, just to make sure we're clear on that. But we are decaying, right? I mean, that's, that's part of it. We're breaking down, and as much as we try and eat healthy and live healthy and do the right things, and that's all good, and I would encourage you to do that, the reality is the mortality rate still sits at a solid 100%. That's the reality for all of us. We're all decaying. We are moving closer to death. Now, that doesn't just have to be a morbid thing. It ought to be something that drives us to say, what am I doing with my life? But it is the reality of this world that we live in. And what we see around us going on in our own lives and in the world in many ways is a direct reflection of the decaying result of sin and evil in this world. And so part of the the reason for the way things happen is just due to the fact that we live in a sinful world. Now, I don't bring all this up so that we'll spend our time trying to connect the dots and, and make sense and, and say, well, this happened and this happened like some CSI program where we, you know, solve the riddle of why this happened or why that happened. That, that's not the purpose this morning because the reality is I don't think you'll be able to do that, nor do I think it really does any good anyways. I mean, you think about it, if you know the why, it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. It just gives you the why. Sometimes that brings more issues than it solves. Maybe it's a combination of all of them. I don't know. That's not the purpose. The purpose is not so that we'll figure all of this out and somehow all of that figuring out will bring us comfort because in the end, it won't. But I say all these things and I bring them up to say that so often in our world when bad things happen, it's very easy for people, ourselves included as Christians, to assume that God is the orchestrator of these things, or at the very least that he should have somehow stopped these things. I mean, have you ever asked that question? I know that's rhetorical because I know you have. Why didn't God fill in the blank? Why did God allow fill in the blank? I don't know. I I do know, though, that it's bigger than just knowing that answer. And when we use phrases like everything happens for a reason, while I'm sure that that for most of us we have good intentions, the reality is I think it only furthers the assumption that God is orchestrating these things and working these things somehow. That God is the source of these things rather than the healing in the midst of those things. That somehow they're, they're God's idea, right? It's God's idea that your marriage fell apart. Like it's God's idea that your, your child died. It's God's idea that Children around the world are dying from starvation. It's God's idea that a drunk driver killed someone you love. It's a God's idea that your spouse, parent, fill in the blank, loved one died. It's God's idea that people are killing each other. Like somehow those are God's ideas. Those are not God's ideas. And that's just not the case with every bad, terrible thing that happens in our lives and in the world around us. Now, having said that, I know that doesn't answer the question. And I told you at the onset, I'm not going to be able to answer that question. And maybe you're going to be left with more questions at the end of the sermon than you will answer. I don't know what to do with that. But I know the biggest answer, it's God. But it's still hard, right? 
And we still ask those questions. Why, why, didn't, any, why didn't he intervene in, in these circumstances? Why didn't he stop this from happening? Why didn't he, he bring healing in, in this situation? I mean, why, why does one person experience healing and another person doesn't? Why is one person saved and another not? I don't know. The list of questions goes on and on. And sometimes I get those questions can be a real struggle to our faith. And some people have walked away from God altogether because they can't answer that question. And maybe you've at times in your life walked away. And frankly, again, I don't know the answers. I do know that he often works in ways that don't make sense to us and in ways that don't really fit in in the ways that we think he should work, but that still doesn't fully answer the questions. But my, my purpose this morning is simply to point out that it's worth considering that there is a difference between what God causes to happen and what God simply allows to happen because people make choices. We live in a fallen world. Satan is at work. But then he uses and works in those things. And I know that in the midst of those things, it's hard to find a whole lot of comfort. But I think many of us looking back can see times of healing that God has provided and comfort that he gives. And when it comes to those tragedies and and certain events that happen in our lives and in the world around us, I think about that phrase, everything happens for a reason. It's hard not to think about one of my favorite verses and and one of my favorite chapters in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Apostle Paul says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so as we kind of close out our time this morning, when it comes to the things in our lives and in our world that happen, I think there's just a couple of things. I just want to give you two things this morning to keep in mind. The first one is this, God works in all things. That's what Paul tells us here in Romans chapter eight. God works in all things. I was doing a little research this week on that word in, in, in Romans chapter eight. We know that in all things, God works. That, that all things is actually one word in the Greek. It's the word pos, which probably doesn't mean anything to you. But I was interested to know that that word all things actually means, and I know you're gonna be blown away by this, all things. I know that's the deep theological teaching that you come here to receive, but that's what it means. But does it really mean all things? I mean, I know, you know, yes. Like it literally means all things. The, the word also means whole or every kind. In, every, in other words, God works for the good in every person, in everywhere, and in every way. God is working in every situation in your life. Now, you may not always see it, you may not always work with him. I'll get to that in just a second. But God is working in everything, in every way, which includes bad things. Includes those things. As much as we'd like for there to only be good things, the reality is that bad things happen. Good things happen and bad things happen. And guess what? When you become a Christian, it doesn't mean the bad things stop happening. In fact, sometimes they happen a little bit more because Satan's a little harder after you. Bad things still happen. Even though you are loved, even though you have been called according to his purpose, there are still going to be bad things that happen in our lives and in the world around us. In fact, check out what Paul goes on to say just a couple of verses later in verse 35 of Romans 8. He says, who or what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just in case you were wondering, those are not good things, right? 
But then he goes on to say in verse 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is acknowledging that these things, these bad things can be present in our lives, and yet that doesn't mean that God stops loving you. That doesn't mean that Christ's love is not present in your life. All of those things could be going on at the same time, which, by the way, would be quite a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. And yet God still loves you. His love is still real. It is no less real and no less true. In fact, I would even argue that it's even more real and more true and more visceral in those moments of tragedy and struggle and pain and loss. His love for us is not contingent on things that happen to us or around us. And again, Paul doesn't speak of of God causing all things. By the way, just to be clear, that doesn't mean that God doesn't cause anything. I I don't know. I I don't know where where the line is between what God causes and what God doesn't cause and, and what God is orchestrating and what God is not orchestrating. He doesn't pay me enough for that. I don't know the answer to that question. But what God do, or what Paul does say is that God works in all things. By the way, Paul doesn't say that God can work in all things. He simply says God does work in all things. God works in all things. In other words, this is not some verse of like aspiration where it's like pie in the sky where man, I don't know what's going on and I'm 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 broken, I'm weary. Man, I just hope God can do something with this. I mean, if he's able to. But rather, it's a verse of affirmation that says God can and he will work in this. I may not understand it. I may not see it in the moment. I may not even agree with how he's working. But he can and will work. He is able and he is willing. He desires to work in both the good things and the bad things in our lives. And I would in fact, what I can't remember that old C.S. line, C.S. Lewis line, where he says God whispers to us in, in the good times and he screams at us in the struggles. Haven't you found that to be true? In fact, God's, that's why I say God's love is just even more visceral in those moments of struggle and pain. And his presence is there. And God working doesn't mean that you know, that we always understand it, nor does it mean, as I alluded to earlier, that we always work with him. I mean, there's, there's times where I guarantee you in your life where God has wanted to lead you down a path that was good for your life and for those around you, and you said no. Maybe you didn't blatantly say no, but you went in a different direction. I know there's times in my life, I can give you a good example, not necessarily in, in things that I did, but Marcy and I, many of you know our story, or at least some of you know our story. We've gone through the adoption process a couple of times. We have two, two kiddos from the adoption process, but we've been through it more than that. After we brought Maley home, we went through the adoption process again. This has been several years ago, seven years ago, I guess, six, seven years ago. And we, we got matched with the birth mother and went through the process all the way up to the delivery at the hospital. We were on our way to the hospital. She changed her mind. We were devastated. We went through the process again. 
got matched up even earlier with a birth mother, so we spent more time before the pregnancy. Then we actually took the child home, into our home for three weeks, had the little girl in our home for three weeks. Birth mother changed her mind again. And Marcy and I are saying, God, we thought this was your will. Well, I mean, how are we, what, what do we do here? And, and one of the things that I said is maybe this was God's will, and yet those birth mothers were not in aligned with God's purpose and God's will. I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that I have proof in a little five-year-old boy that God works in all things. Does that make sense? I, I don't know why things happened the way that they did. If, if that was God's plan from the very beginning, I mean, he knew it from the very beginning, but I know that he works in all things. And so why does... God stop the bad, why, why doesn't God stop the bad things from happening? Why, why do certain things happen the way that they do? Why do we see all this junk going on in our lives and in our world? I don't know. I don't know the answer to those questions and others like them, but what I do know is that in good times and bad, God is working. He's moving. He's active. And if we trust him and, and we work with him, and even sometimes when we don't work with him, purpose is still to bring about good in our lives and in the world around us and ultimately to mold us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And it may not be exactly how we want it to go or we think it should go in that moment, but it will be for your good and for his purposes. That's why when bad things happen, while it's so easy for people to want to blame God and get angry with God, maybe the better response is to look for ways that God is working in the midst of those things. I'm reminded of the very first words of Scripture in Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The whole story of Scripture begins, opens up, with God bringing something good out of something that was formless and empty. In fact, the, the words... It's really fun to say, by the way, tohu bohu is actually that phrase, formless and empty. It's really fun. You should just use that in conversation sometime. But tohu bohu can also be translated as chaos. That God brought good out of the chaos from the very beginning, and he's still doing that today. He still desires to do that today in your life and in my life and in the world around us. And so... God works in all things, but let me give you one more thing. God also works through you and me. When we talk about God working the good out of the bad, I hope we realize that one of the biggest ways that he wants to do that is through you and me. That's why in a world filled with hate and evil and sin and darkness, it's so important for you and me as followers of Jesus Christ to get out there and share the hope and healing with a world that is in dire need of it. It's not just about coming to church. I'm glad you're here. But if this is the only time that you are living out the Christian life in any tangible, profound way, then we are missing the entire point. God desires to bring hope and healing to a lost and dying world, but he desires to do it most of the time through you and me. So much of what we see in our world and hear 
is people wanting to blame this person or that person or this organization or, or, or ultimately blame God, blame each other, blame anybody but ourselves, right? And, and we want to place the blame at somebody else's feet. And certainly, as we've already talked about, there's a lot of responsibility that can go around, right? Whether it's the choices that you've made, the choices that others have made, that affect each other, the things that are going on, we living in a fallen world, and, and all of those things are present. And look, I'm not saying that there aren't times where we need to stand up and call wrong, wrong. We need to stand up for what is truth, and we need to say, this is not right. But God also desires for us to say, you know what, that is wrong. But there's hope in the midst of it. There's healing in the midst of it. And instead of us furthering and intensifying the problems, we ought to be sharing the hope and healing and love that God desires to bring to a lost and dying world because he desires to bring it. And he desires to do it through you and me.